Amen. Well, a very warm welcome to you today. I'm so excited about Jesus. I can barely contain myself. You know, we've looked at the theme of unstoppable this year, 2021. We're reminding ourselves, we, we kind of having our faith stirred up that our God is an unstoppable God. And in the month of January, we looked at unstoppable faith. Then in the month of April, we looked at unstoppable freedom. And we've just had a glorious month of impartation with unstoppable power. But I've got to tell you, this is the one for me now. This is, this is my favorite one. We entering into the month of June. Gosh, I nearly forgot what month it was. The month of June with unstoppable Jesus. Would you say with me, Jesus is unstoppable. Hallelujah. So Father, we thank you for your word to us today. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that we today receive your word with all readiness in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Family, when you have a look at the life that God has desired and planned for you, it's a good desire, it's a good will, it's a good plan that the vocabulary of our faith, the vocabulary of Christianity is one of victory. That you and I are designed by God to live a victorious life. This is not a faith of defeat and despair, but this is a faith of victory. Every born-again believer is joined together to serve a champion that has overcome the obstacles that no other human being has ever been able to overcome, and we live a life of victory. Have a look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57. Thank God then for our Lord Jesus, the anointed, the liberating king, and notice what it says, who brought us victory over the grave. Jesus has brought the church of the Lord Jesus Christ victory over the grave. If you look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, the Bible says, but no matter what comes, no matter what comes your way this morning, in the chapel, in the, in the conference center, here in the auditorium, those that are watching on live stream, no matter what comes your way, notice what the Bible says, we will sometimes taste victory. Does it say that? What does it say? We will, or can I hear your faith this morning? We will, in the chapel, come on, we want to hear you even here in the auditorium. The Bible says, we will always taste victory through Him who loved us, always. The outcome of every battle is victory. And the battle is not over, family, until you are victorious. Because Jesus will always bring victory in whatever situation you face. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the Bible says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always, 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 always leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ's victory. Would you raise your right hand this morning and say, I am a trophy of the victory of Jesus. 
Can you say that a bit louder this morning, church? I know we're only few in number here, but we're going to shout it out. Would you say, I am a trophy of the victory of Jesus. When John wrote the words of Jesus to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Jesus makes seven promises, one for every church, to the one who overcomes, to the one who emerges victorious, to the one who overcomes through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So to serve Jesus is to be victorious. The complete Christian life is a winning life. The complete Christian life is a winning life. So that the language of our faith is one of victory. It's one of conquest. It's one of triumph. It's one of overcoming. And just so that we are sure on this point, the source of this victory does not come from religious fanaticism. It's not about observing all these rituals and religious routines. And so because of that, we are victorious. That victory is to be found because the one who we worship is triumphant. Jesus is triumphant. Your faith is linked to the God who we serve, who is triumphant. And therefore, because of all that Jesus has accomplished, Jesus is the undisputed, undefeated champion of all time. There's no contest. He is, he is the victorious God. There is no rival. There is no equal. So the victory of Jesus has caused you and I, who are one with Jesus, who participate with Jesus, has, called you, has caused you and I to prevail. A victorious Jesus results in a victorious church. You are victorious because Jesus is victorious. Hallelujah. And God has given you the church victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible describes you as not just being a little winner. You're not just a little winner. You are more than a conqueror. And how are you such? Through Jesus who loved you. And as the captain of our salvation, it was Jesus who overcame first. He, he was the leader. He was the forerunner. So that Jesus is the one who triumphed. And because Jesus triumphs, you triumph. He was the crucified, but he became the conqueror. He was the victim, but he became the victor. And that victory has been passed over to you, the team. We win every time. Sorry for the Liverpool, I mean Liverpool supporters. When you are in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I know it's hard to say this, but you even do better than Manchester United. You win every time. Would you say, I win every time? I am a trophy. Would you say that with me this morning? I am a trophy of the victory of Jesus. The cross is still the throne from which Jesus rules the earth. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, the reason the Son of God was made manifest the reason he was made visible was to undo, to destroy, to loosen, and to dissolve the works the devil has done. What did Jesus come to do? To destroy, to loosen, and to dissolve the works the devil has done. When Jesus came to the earth, 
He came to judge the ruler of this earth. Family, Jesus didn't come on a siesta. Jesus didn't make application in the HR department of heaven and said, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that I would have a sabbatical break. I am the eternal God, and it's been a very, very long eternity. Oh, we've had a lot to deal with with Adam and Moses and all the moaning of the children of Israel. God, I need a break. And so he, he put an application uh, electronically, and then he got this confirmatory email from, from the boss of all bosses. He has the father, and he says, right, you've got a sabbatical break. Jesus, where do you want to go? And Jesus says, well, let me go down to the earth. I've got nothing to lose. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came with a mission. He came with a purpose. What did he come for? He came after the very tyrant, the oppressor of humanity. Jesus came with the slave master, and this was the purpose. This purpose, his mission, was to take sin head on, was to take every work of the enemy and to bring that under authority, to cancel it, to undo it, to loosen those that are bound and those that are under the yoke of slavery. In every other possible contender, the devil would have had an inroad because of sin. Every other possible contender would have been disqualified. Jesus is the only one who could submit to death and have the power of being raised so that death's power would be defeated, that sin's power would be defeated. He's the uncontested champion of the world. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that the ruler of this world had no claim in Jesus. So that he, he came into this world sinless. He fought this battle sinless. He died the sinless, spotless lamb of God who took away the sins of this world. Abraham would have failed. Moses would have failed. David would have failed. But Jesus overcame the very devil himself. And he is our victory victorious champion. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, Jesus himself became like them, like you and I, shared their humanity, likewise shared the same things. And he did this so that by dying, he could destroy the one who has the power of death. The enemy that you and I are hopeless against in our own strength and in our own ability. But Jesus, he's got all the power to overcome the power of death. And it was at the cross, family, that Jesus disarmed the devil. We're not trying to be victorious. We are victorious. Jesus is not trying to be victorious. The victory has already been won. And you and I, we're, we're in the slipstream of that victory. And let me just remind you once again, until you have the victory, the battle continues. That fight of faith continues. And it's not over until you are victorious. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness what did he do? Stripping away from them every weapon. Sickness's weapon has been stripped by Jesus. Fear's weapon has been stripped by Jesus. 
and all their authority, all their spiritual authority and power. The weapon, the authority, and the power has been stripped by Jesus. He came in. He took the power of fear away. He took the authority of fear away. He took the weapon of fear away. And there is fear a toothless wonder. What can fear do? And then he goes on to say, and by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Glory. And so sickness is defeated. Depression is defeated. You say, but Wayne, I'm fighting depression. Hold on a moment. It's already been fought and overcome. Oh, I'm fighting fear. No, 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 no. You, you are fighting an enemy that has already been fought and overcome. Jesus has defeated COVID. Jesus has defeated sickness. Jesus has defeated depression. Jesus has defeated poverty this morning. This is the champion that we worship. This is the champion we adore. But you know, family, it's so amazing because the Bible tells us that this has all been put under the feet of Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 26. The last enemy to be done away with will be death. For he put everything in subjection under his feet. And in Bible rhetoric, in Bible speech, to have something under your feet means two things. Firstly, it means to have dominance, supremacy, and authority. Speaking about the authority of man, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 8 and verse 4, you have given him, man, dominion over the works of your hands. And notice what the Bible says, you have put all things under his feet. And then it speaks of victory. To have something under your feet means that you are the winner, that you are first in place. In 1 Kings chapter 5 and verse 3, speaking about David, he says, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until, notice what the Bible says, the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Sickness is under the feet of a champion. Who's the champion? Jesus is the champion. But if, if sickness is under the feet of Jesus, if depression is under the feet of Jesus, then it's under your feet. Sickness is under your feet. Fear is under your feet. Stop allowing fear to bring you under its control. Fear is under your feet. You've got to remind that spirit of fear. Hold on a moment, fear. Jesus has defeated you on the cross. Jesus is my victorious champion. He has not won or he has not lost a battle yet. He's won every single time you're under my feet. Can I have an amen this morning? And in the midst of your darkest hour, in the midst of the greatest storm, Jesus is your champion. He's your champion. And if he's your champion, the victory of Jesus is your victory. Your faith can say, if Jesus has won this for me, then in the midst of this situation, 
In the midst of all that I'm going through, poverty is not going to have its hold in my family. As for me and my home, all poverty has, has not go, is not going to take its grip on my family. You know, when you have a look at the, the tomb and all that happened when Jesus was buried, think about what that did for the disciples. It would have been the darkest hour in the lives of the disciples. When they took Jesus to the tomb, the Bible tells us that they buried him according to Jewish custom. What did that mean? They would have laid Jesus on a table. They would have cleaned the body. And then Joseph Arimathea and others, Nicodemus, they would have taken the body and they would have wrapped that body in linen right up to the armpits. Normally the, the hands were, the arms were out to the side and they would wrap the body right up to the armpits. Then what they would do is they would take 45 kilograms of myrrh and aloes and begin to anoint that body. Bring the arms down, wrap the body all over again until the neck. And then family, what would happen is they would take a third piece of linen and they would wrap the head and put that corpse into the tomb and there the corpse ordinarily would stay. And the Bible tells us that one Sunday morning, the two Marys are on their way to go and complete the anointing of the body of Jesus. I'm ashamed to say, Pastor Joy, that the men were still behind closed doors. I'm sure they were praying. I'm sure they were praying and, you know, believing God for a victory. But the ladies, they were out there and they went to the tomb. And they saw that the tombstone had been removed, that that Roman seal had been broken. They run back to the disciples and the story picks up in John chapter 20, verse 4. Both Peter and John were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. Now, I would imagine that if that was like happening today and our pastors were the disciples, I'm sure it would go something like this. Um, bo both Wayne and Quanda were running together, but the other disciple outran Quanda. I'm, I, I don't know. I just kind of like see it like that for some reason. I'm glad that you've got that revelation. Praise God. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But when they came to the tomb family, it was interesting because the Bible says Peter came in and John came in and they saw where the body of Jesus had been laid. This is their darkest hour. They had expected that Jesus would ascend onto a literal throne, get a, a literal kingdom established, and here their, their Savior had died. It's not the most rejoice, rejoicing time, if you know what I'm saying. And they came to the, the tomb, and here was where the body of Jesus lay. But the Bible is very clear and specific that at the head, where the head of Jesus was, the linen had been nicely folded. The rest of it weren't, but the linen was nicely folded. Now, why would Jesus bother with folding the headpiece and putting it nicely on the place 
where he was buried. I believe that he was saying something. I don't know if you've watched Come Dine With Me. But if you were to go in Jewish times to a Come Dine With Me experience, and you would go and your host would, would serve you this wonderful meal, and you partaking of all the the meal that's been prepared before you, and here is this wonderful host that's given you the most amazing entertainment. But maybe the food wasn't so good. Maybe the, the rice was a bit dry, overcooked. I mean, burnt offerings is an understatement of what you were served. I mean, we give God burnt offerings. You had burnt starter. You had a burnt main and even your dessert was burnt. I mean, how do you even get that right? So what you would do is you would let that host know it wasn't so good at the office today. So you would take your napkin, your serviette, you would scrunch it up, and you would throw it on the table, and you would say, listen, next time you have a party, I don't mind if I'm not on the invite list. I'm quite happy not to be invited back again. However, oh, if, if you've got a good meal, good curry, good biryani, if you've got a good samshisa in yama, and it was good, it was mandy, tasty, and you said, whoa, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, Your, his or her skills of hosting was brilliant, you would fold the serviette and you would put it down. And you would say, I'm coming back. And here in the tomb, Jesus folds the headpiece. Do you know what he's saying? Disciples, it's your darkest hour. You may be disillusioned. You may be facing your worst nightmare. But I will be back. When you walk through the waters, I am there with you. It will not overwhelm you. When you go through the flame, the flame will not burn you. You will not be burnt by the flame. He's the fourth man in the fire. And when he's with you in the fire, even though they may have bound you up, you are walking free and unbound in the fire. I'm coming back. God will not leave you high and dry. He will not desert you. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you helpless. He will not leave you without any kind of support. He'll be back. But then there was something else they saw. Something else that they saw in the tomb. Because the Bible says that when Mary came in, she saw this amazing phenomenon. Peter and, Peter and John, they saw the message that was being preached, so to speak, in inverted commas, by this folded piece of linen. But when Mary came in, the Bible tells us she saw two angels seated where the body had been laid. Now, once again, nothing in the Bible is written with no purpose behind it. There was an angel where the head of Jesus had been and there was an angel where the feet of Jesus had been. It's the darkest hour for the disciples. Jesus was giving them hope. 
when the children of Israel left Egypt on their way to their promised land. The Bible tells us three moons into the journey, they come to a mountain called Mount Sinai. And in Mount Sinai, God gives instruction to Moses to build a tabernacle. But there was one article of furniture that gets my attention in this scene, the Ark of the Covenant. This was the place where God's presence was tangible. There was a light, the Shekinah glory of God that shone between those angels. Two cherubim, two angels that faced each other. Two angels that faced each other. And in the middle of those angels' wings was the presence of God. Think about it, family. They in the wilderness. There's all sorts of contrary things going on. They in the worst time of their life. And there was the presence of God. And you know what Jesus was saying to the disciples? I am the mercy seat. That lid of that box, the Ark of the Covenant, was known as the mercy seat. And Jesus was saying, there's a new mercy seat. I'm that mercy seat. Do you know what's amazing about mercy? We say it even when we do all kinds of outreach programs, people that are in despair. It's a mercy mission. Mercy speaks about someone who is stronger, reaching out to someone who is in need to bring them up out of that need. And Jesus was saying, I am your mercy seat. In the midst of the despair, in the midst of all that you're going through, I am the victorious champion. Sickness under my feet. Fear under my feet. And I, the stronger one, will reach out to you and bring you up into victory. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help, grace to help in time of need. Can we all stand up this morning in the conference center, in the chapel, those that are watching online, you can, you can stand where you are if you're able to. And I wonder if you would lift up your hands to the Lord. Sickness is under the feet of a champion. We rebuke every spirit of infirmity this morning in Jesus' name. We command every spirit to loosen its hold over God's people right now in Jesus' name. We're not begging, we're commanding on the victorious sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
be made whole in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That problem with the eyes in the left eye, I command healing to come right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. That restriction of the ligaments, we command healing to come in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I rebuke every spirit of fear that has caused every man and woman of God to hide in a cave and say, I'm not able to deal with all of this. I rebuke that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. And I'm gonna say what God said to Elijah. Elijah, when he was in that cave, Elijah, and I call forth like Jesus did Lazarus. Man of God, come forth. Woman of God, come forth in the name of Jesus. Take your place. Take your place of authority. Be reminded that sickness is under your feet. Be reminded that fear is under your feet in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for peace that comes to your people. Every, every retreat is reversed and we're moving forward in the name of Jesus. We're moving forward in business in the name of Jesus. Family, the Lord shows me that there is a businessman and you've gone through a rough time over the last few months and you've, you've had help and now you're needing help again. But I want to encourage you, do not let fear grip your heart. This is the time to rise up in faith. Not fear, but faith. Fear is under your feet. It's under your feet. Watch and see what God will do. The angels are sitting in that problem. Jesus, your mercy seat is there to help. He will not let you go down. He is your provider. He is your champion. He is your business rescuer. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, before we go this morning, we want to make sure that this victory is something that you are walking in. It doesn't mean, family, that we're not going to be facing challenging situations. We will have challenging situations. But I can assure you that when you give your life to Jesus, He takes care of everything. I don't know how people live without Jesus. You say, when I, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never given my life to Jesus. When we sing about Jesus being a champion, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've heard about the story, but I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And He came to give His life for you. I want to encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus. Give it all to Jesus. You know, the amazing thing is He takes every failure, every sin, every shortcoming, every regret, and He takes it and He throws it behind His back, never to be remembered again. Another verse of the Bible says he, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. It's amazing. But the other thing that is so wonderful is He gives you a brand new start. The old is forgiven. The old is removed. And everything becomes new. You can have a new start. 
I do believe that there are many people that are sitting with regret all throughout the city of Durban. Just, just if only they could have a new start. There's a new start in Jesus. It's available to you right now, right now. God's love surrounds you and envelops you. It says, you don't have to fight anymore. You don't have to be this fighter just fighting your way through life anymore. You can put those weapons down and take on another fight, the fight of faith. It's a different kind of fight. It's a victorious fight. Jesus makes victory, forgiveness of sins available to you. Say this morning, would you please pray with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, those that are watching online in the chapel and in the conference center, here in the auditorium, you say, would you please pray with me? Oh, it would be our greatest privilege this morning. Wherever you may be, we're going to pray in a moment. That's all we're going to do is we're going to pray together. But I would like to see today who's going to be joining me in this pray. Wherever you may be, I'm going to ask you to be bold, to be brave, to be fearless. Quickly, if you would lift up your hand and say, yes, that's me. I'm going to pray that prayer with you this morning. Would you lift up your hand and just wave it at me this morning? And we're going to pray in a moment. Anybody here in the chapel, in the overflow venues, you say, yes, that's me. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. Quickly, you can wave your hand and say, yes, I, I, I'm coming to Jesus this morning. I'm coming to Jesus. I'm surrendering to Jesus today. God bless you. I see that hand. Wonderful. I wonder if you would say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that God raised you from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I'm sorry for living my life without you. But from this moment forward, I will serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen and amen and amen. Can we give God some praise this morning, family? We want to say we love you. Those that are watching online, we love you. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next week. Those that are in the overflow venues, we love you. Those in the... Jesus Dome. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for coming to church this morning. We're looking out for you next week. And don't forget, it's all under the feet of you, the champion this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. The Lord bless you.